All right, I've got Greg Carson here um, in Rincon, Puerto Rico, and uh, or or better known as Carson. And Carson's um, he's a big time waterman, big wave surfer, starboard ambassador, quasi mayor of Rincon, and resident for many, many, many years. So, um, Carson, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I thought we could start off by talking a little bit about what brought you to Puerto Rico and how you ended up landing here, and then what caused you basically to stay. Okay. Um, basically, I was just out of college, finished up University of Florida, Florida Gator. And, um, Gator. Yeah. And um, mm. I was... You know, I was not ready to get into the the business world at all, along with all my buddies going for interviews and all of that exciting stuff. I just wanted to travel the world. So the best way to do it was I was already, you know, rescue diver, doing a lot of diving. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get my dive instructor cert and take off. Just now, wait, did you learn to dive in the Gulf or like in Texas? Or well, I learned, yeah, I learned to dive in Texas in a lake. I grew up right on a lake. Like okay. literally my backyard, you know, you could pee off my back porch. And so I grew up on a lake. Um, my next door neighbor was a big commercial diver. He got me into dive when I was a kid, when I was like, you know, 13 years old. So we used to dive in the lake with, with on a great day, we'd have maybe five foot of vids. And so... That's not very good. No. And I didn't realize how incredible the actual ocean diving was because I grew up diving in a lake. And um, I mean, we'd see you know snakes and moccasins and stuff, and that was about the only that about and bass. That's about the only exciting thing, yeah. So, whenever I got into uh, college, I started taking all my certification courses, and and then I ended up going down to Fort Lauderdale out of college and got my instructor cert with Patty, and then headed right. here. And and it was a fluke because I was actually on my way to Jamaica. I had a good friend of mine that owned a dive shop in Jamaica. And so I was heading to go work at a Club Met as an instructor in Jamaica. How was it? I was um, 24, yeah. just out of college. And, um, and so I was heading out, and, um, and I got a phone call like at the dive shop that I just took my instructor cert at. And it was this little dive shop that just opened up here called Captain Bill's Dive Shop. And, it's, and it was Desicheo Dive Shop, and it's right here. Right, right next to the clip so and um is that he, still there that's not there anymore. no they no. left yeah, yeah, yeah now yeah. they're down by trace oh right okay there. so but now they're not even a dive shop anymore they're just a surf shop and so they just opened up they need an instructor and um and i was like yeah i'll come over and check it out and he's like literally our, di- the ba- our backyard is maria's and I was like, whoa, really? And I'd never been to Puerto Rico. I, I always went to Dominican Republic on but, surf trips. But did you know what Maria's was? Oh, yeah. I knew this whole okay. area. Yeah. But I just had always heard that, you know, it was localized and I heard it was crowded. Right, right. And so I just was like, Dominican Republic, there's no one. And we used to, and it's dirt cheap. And so we used to fly into, um, Punta, I mean, um, Puerto Plata yeah. and surf Sosua. Yeah. And so that was during college. I used to always fly in and that was my surf trips. Love that person. And love it. And so I got I came here for a month and just fell in love with it. And I was like, you know what? And it was in, I came here on my birthday, June 1st. Like June 1st is your June birthday. June 1st. That's coming up. up. Yeah. Okay. I'll be 50. What? The big five. Okay. Up. Let's talk and, about that later. Okay. Um, I'm spending that in Cuba. Okay. And so I ended up, um, came here on my birthday, the day of my birthday, flew in and uh, back in like 91. And then um, just wow. was like, you know what, I'm going to postpone. I'm going to keep staying. I'm going to check it out. You know, I'm digging the, the atmosphere here. I've yet to really seen big surf that they're talking about. And um, well, When you, know, you say big surf, like how big? Well, like Trace, I was, you know, hearing about all these stories right, about Trace right. Palmas and stuff like that. And so I was just, you know, adrenaline junkie. I just wanted to, you know, right. as big as possible. And everybody's like, yeah, you got to see Trace breaking, you know, 30 feet and I was like, wow, I've never even seen 30 feet, right, you know? Right, And so, coming from Florida, and uh, but originally Texas, so yeah, so I just, uh, 25, 25 years later, you know, 20 going on 26 years later, 
here I am. So when you started the dive shop, when did that happen? And like, how did you uh, how did the, you get all that together? Well, the dive I I worked for Des Chael. I mean, I worked for Captain Bill's dive shop for five years, and um, and then for years, you know, I knew basically what I wanted to do. You know, I was already like, you know what, I I want to go out and start my own gig. And uh, I just didn't have the finances at the time to do it. And so I went through a couple of people, a couple of friends, you know, and partners that we were trying to do it with, and, and it just didn't work out. And then finally, my partner now, who is Yari, Yari moved in town, and he's like, you know what? He's like, I've been dying to, you know, I came down here to start something. I want to start a dive business. I go, let's do it. So we went out and bought the Kathmandu, and that's how it all started. And that was in 97. What was the Catman do? Our boat. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that started it. Okay. So I was like, all right, if you're, you know, if you're serious about this, you know, let's go to Miami. We'll go stay with my buddy Sokol, who I was telling you that I want him to, to stay here. Yeah, you know? right, right, right. I was like, we'll go stay there with my buddy. Um, we'll go look for boats. And on that trip, we found the Catman do and we bought it and then shipped it over. And that was, you know, the Taino Divers Inception right there. That's a beautiful boat. Yeah, beautiful. Love it. Cat, catamaran. So what's, yeah, catamaran, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what's unique about the catamaran design that makes it so such a good boat for diving? Um, well, it's a custom dive boat. It was uh, custom made for a guy that had a dive shop and he only had it for two years. Um, custom in Naples, Florida. Uh, 32 foot. It's aluminum hull. You know, it's tough. I mean, we, the way we got to load here, you know, we got to load off the beach. Right. And so we needed uh, a catamaran so we could load off the beach. And um, and I wanted outboards because at the time the marina was so shifty that there was times where literally I'd have to get everyone out of the boat. And then we'd push the boat over the entrance sandbar so we could go into the marina back when the marina was, was right. functioning. Right. That right. was 16, more than 16 years ago. So I knew that I had to, I couldn't have an inboard. I had to have outboards. And this boat popped up. And went and saw it, and it was just perfect. And we had we had a number that him and I both had, and that was all we had. And he wanted more, and we told him, "Look, this is our number, and this is all we got. This is all we can pay you." And he's like, "I like you guys. I'll take it." Yeah. And so that's, <laughs> that's how. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's how it all started. And um, and then just. By a fluke, tying at the dive shop, I wanted something in the marina. A friend of mine was living upstairs in that wood house, and there was nothing downstairs. It was just stilts, and you parked downstairs. Like, there really? was wide open, no walls, uh, no nothing. Okay. So I talked to the owner, and the owner's like, hey, I'm going to be down there next month. He's like, I'm going to actually, I was planning on, you know, building a house and start renting the two floors. And he goes, you guys want to rent the whole thing? He goes, I'll just build a shell, and you guys do with it what you want. We're like, all right. Cool. So he came in, built the shell and the bathroom, and we everything else you see, we started building, and then we we ended up buying uh, that property eleven years ago. Great. Yeah, All eleven right. years yeah, ago. Good. Yeah. Good. So now you own that. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And um, and what about surfing? When did you get into surfing? Were you surfing back when you were living in Florida? Texas, um, I was in Florida. I basically. In high school, growing up my whole life on a lake, I was a lake rat, and so my dad was a big boater, and so we skied, water skied my whole life, and just skiing and fishing on the lake, basically I just lived in the water, and all we did was, uh, was water ski, and then I went to Hawaii when I was 18, right out of high school, and fell in love with, the, you know, got a surfboard. In high school, I grew up in high school in the middle of Texas. Like country, you know, full Fort Worth, outside of Fort Worth even, a place called Saginaw, Texas. And we just had a huge lake that I grew up on, and I brought a surfboard back from Hawaii. Just, I just knew I wanted to be a surfer. Knew it. Like in high school, I used to watch anything I could get my hands on, the OP Pro. Yeah, you know, right, right. I used to right, watch that, right. you know. So I don't know, coming from Texas is kind of strange, but I always knew I wanted to be a surfer. And uh, went to Hawaii when I was 18, learned how to surf, got a surfboard, brought it back to Texas, started um, scurfing behind the boat yeah. with it. Yeah. And then every chance I had, I would drive to California. I had a friend that lived in San what? Diego, and we would we'd drive for a weekend. 
We drive 24 hours for a weekend from wow. Fort Worth, Texas, all the way out to San Diego just to go surf. That's commitment. That's, yeah. That's dedication. And it was a blast. It was a road trip. Yeah. Man. Give give us a re- give you a reason a road trip. Yeah. Right? We have a three-hour drive, and we think that's really long for yeah, one day sometimes. Yeah, 24 hours. <laughs> that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, that no, was awesome. And so then out of college, then I, I wanted to be, I, I lived in San Diego during the summers of college. And then I went to, uh, transferred out of Texas to University of Florida and finished up in University of Florida. And then, you know, I was like, man, I just want to travel the world and surf. Were you surfing in Florida when you were in school? Oh, there? yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons I went there. There you go. So I could at least, I didn't, I didn't like, San, I didn't like the setup of San Diego very much. The college was inland and I mean, not that Florida's on the beach or anything, but I don't know. I just wasn't, San Diego was just so crowded and everything and. So then uh, a friend of mine was going to Florida, and I was like, I'll try Florida out. So I just randomly ended up in Florida. And, but you knew you could surf there. But I knew that I knew an hour and a half away there'd be waves, and I, I used to hitchhike. Wow. I literally would hitchhike. I loved wow. hitchhiking. I was into hitchhiking back then. Loved it. I'd have my surfboard. Literally, I have my surfboard, a backpack, and I'd be hitchhiking to the beach. It's a little harder to get picked up when you have a surfboard. A little bit harder. I just throw it in the back of a truck. I would jump in the back of somebody's truck. But yeah, sometimes they wouldn't even know you jumped in. No, <laughs> if they stop at a red light, I was in. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, man. What? Yeah, I'm hopping out the next light. So when you moved here, you were um, again. It was like a decision to to surf more, right? I mean, it was this mm-hmm. kind of like a surfing. It was definitely a decision. Surfing purpose, yeah. It was definitely a hundred percent. I was going, no matter what, I was going to go. That's why I didn't want to go to Jamaica. Because then I was going into grill and there's not much surf in the grill. So I was yeah. kind of bumming, but at the time that was my only contact. And then by the grace of God, I got a phone call um, from here. And they're like, hey, you know, we need an instructor. We just opened this dive shop. Can you come out? And I was like, yeah. I go, I got a surfboard, a guitar, and a backpack. And that's what I showed up with. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. That's all I had. Sold everything I had, and that's all I had in my name. I was happiest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all you need. You know, yeah. sometimes you just got to go minimal. Yeah. I was, I definitely, especially when you're young and you just got to uh, figure yeah, it out and any, just go, yeah. I'm going day by day. I was in heaven. I was living in a little wood shack on Sandy beach. Didn't even have running water. I had to run to the beach with two five gallon jug, jugs to fill up the toilet, to wash it and to wash my, my dishes. Wow. I had electricity, electricity, but I had no running water. Um, there's some fun oh, you were stories. washing dishes with seawater? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's, you know, that's all that. I had. That's all you need. That's all you need. That will work. It worked. Yeah. So what happened when you first started to see Trace Palmas break? Was that... Well, let's start... Let me ask you this. Is Trace Palmas... When I think of you, I think of Trace Palmas, right? Is that pretty yeah. much your favorite wave here? Yes. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite wave here. Yeah. Okay. I definitely have a love affair with Trace Palmas. So when you first saw that thing, well, that was like when? And, and yeah, was a tell, tell me about the first time you surfed there, or first couple times, or the most memorable. Well, like, early know, there's all that. There's all the lore. There's right. all the lore because it's a deep water wave. Um, there's all the lore of being held down, you know, for a long time because of the deep water. Uh, all the foam, you know. I just always remember, you know, hearing, you know, these old timers talking about how much, you know, foam. How you finally make it to the surface, and then you still got, you know, feet of foam that yeah. you got to like get through, and just to breathe, and you know, all that that lore that went along with Trace Palmas and big waves in general. So yeah, the first time, um, the first time I surfed it, it definitely, you know, it smacked me down a lot, and. Um, I was only, you know, back then we were only riding like seven sixes, you know, like a big gun back then was the seven yeah. six. Yeah, that's a no small one had, board. Yeah, no one had anything bigger than that. My quiver was a six six and a seven six here, and uh, and the seven six was just for trace. Six six was everything else. And um, now, do you think being a diver, mm-hmm. scuba diver, gave you like a different level of confidence than other people would have, kind of surfing big waves? Possibly, and I and I always was a free diver. Yeah, I, I mean, my whole life, like I, free, I used to spear fish and free. I used to gig turtles all the time. We would get, catch turtles. Wait, what does gigging a turtle mean? Well, we, it was actually we would. It wasn't gigging them. I would catch the turtles. Is what I would do. Yeah. And um, in my lake that I grew up on, I had this, this um, 
Japanese guy, his name was Jimmy Chow, and he had a Japanese restaurant called Chow Sin, and he loved turtle, and he fished our lake all the time. And so I just loved just catching turtles. When I say gigging, we used to gig frogs all the time too, okay. frogs and snakes. And I would give everything to Jimmy Chow. And then he would just, I, I had a floating trap underneath my dock that I just had a trap door on it and I would dive underwater. I'd see a turtle that would pop up at the end of the dock, you know, next to one of the pilings. And I would dive underwater and I'd pull myself along the bottom by each piling, you know, and yeah. then I'd just hold on to the piling on the bottom. And I'd look up and I'd see the turtle floating up there and I'd just come up, grab it and flip it over real quick. And then they suck into their shell when you flip them upside right. down. And then I just throw them right into the little live trap that I had floating and tied to the dock. Jimmy Chow would come and get all my turtles. And then anytime <laughs> my family wanted some good Japanese food, we'd show up and he'd make us a bunch of turtle soup. And oh, it was amazing. This was back when I was a kid and uh, growing up in Texas. And then we used to always go out and go frog gigging and snake gigging and alligator guard gigging. And, Jimmy Chow ate everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's how my free diving started. Yeah. And so as far as holding my breath and all of that, I've always been, you know, into just being underwater. Awesome. Well, I think especially it's like for big wave surfing, I think that's got to help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is, is mental too. And then, um, and then talk to me about like free diving. So when you got here... Is that when you really got more into free diving and like the sport of free diving, like with yes. bigger fish and? Yeah, I mean it was it was all about you know spearing fish. Yeah. And and when I first got here, um, I pretty much lived off the sea. I've always said that the sea is my grocery store. Right. Right. Because when I first got here, I would be fortunate if I made maybe two or three hundred dollars a month, and my rent was one hundred and fifty in the little wood shack on the beach, and so. I had, you know, you, you've got to be resourceful. Right. And so I, I would go and buy the, they sold a, a Kano back then, or it was cash and carry back then, like a five pound bag of rice. And then I buy a bunch of black beans and then I just get some veggies and I cut everything up and I just make a big old bowl of just goulash of just rice and beans and everything I could throw in there. And I just leave that in the fridge and then I'd just go out and I'd spear fish, catch lobster and anything I got, I had the protein and then I had my goulash. Wow. Yeah, that was, and that's, I lived off of that for my first couple of years here. Wow. There was no money back then. The dive shop, like I said, if I did, if I did two students a month, I was doing good. Really? Uh, so it was that slow? Yeah, it was wow. that slow. Yeah. And so I, I made nothing. I was Were people coming here to surf? Yeah, everybody was coming here to surf. It, this wasn't a family destination. But or a dive so destination necessarily. There right. wasn't a dive destination either. This was a surfing destination. Right. And then if it was flat, then maybe we would get some surfers or, you know, we get some people that would want to go out to the island and see right. the island right. or, or take classes or whatever. Right. But literally back, you know, in the early nineties, you know, there was the only tourism here was just surfers, and they're living off bakery sandwiches for a dollar. So <laughs> nobody had money, right? Yeah. And everyone's trying to save money, mm -hmm. and everyone's trying to stretch it as far as they can for the longer they could stay. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and so so where were you spearing mostly? Like right along here? I was here? off Sandy Beach. I was yeah, always, okay. I lived right on Sandy Beach. I lived right off the rock. Um, you know the house is called the Pink House. It's right there in front of, uh, right in front of um, Casa Verde. Yeah. And it's a pink wood house. Yep. That's yeah. the house that used to be the shack. Okay. And it used to have, Rusty used to shape his uh, surfboards in the bottom basement. And then I lived up in the second floor. And Wait, then, Rusty? Rusty the shaper? Rusty? No, another no. Rusty. Okay, different Local, Rusty. Rusty Elwood <laughs> Okay. okay. his name. And he used to... And he, he's, he was here forever, and that's where he used to shake boards. And so I lived in the second floor, so, you know, for extra money, I would just be his ding repairman, and then I'd get, and everything went right back into him shaping me a board. Right, and, right. Um, and then, yeah, the rest of the time was pretty much just living off the sea, just out in the water every day, spearing whatever whatever was edible. And back then, there was a lot, you know, it was, it was plentiful back then. There's more. Yeah, there's always more. But um, then, how did you get connected with Starboard? How did that happen? Um, actually, Starboard. I got connected with Starboard actually through Sean Pointer. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I had, I had known Sean. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I had known Sean from um, competing against him at the uh, at the um, uh, Port Escondido contest. That you know, we had that annual back in 2008, 9, 10, like 11. With that Puerto Escondido contest. Stand-up contest? Stand-up. Yeah, the stand-up surf contest. Wow, really? And so in uh, 2010, Sean was in the contest. It was the first time I met Sean. And we ended up, and you know, we're, we surfed together um, through the whole contest. And I ended up barely beating him and ended up winning that, that contest in 2010. He got second, but we, we became friends. And then... And then and other stuff like the ISAs and stuff like that, we'd surfed against each so other. So you started surfing competitively at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah. That so was back. when stand up first came out, yep. which I mean, it's debatable, right? But I mean, in terms of when stand up started happening, like give me a time frame. Like what year were you sort of um, really getting into it? Well, here the the first the first people in Puerto Rico to do stand up was Tomas Cosmo and myself. And so we, we, I had seen it. I'd seen, you know, Laird online. Right. And I was like, call Tomas. And I'm like, Tomas, I'm going to order a stand-up board. And I know, you know, Tomas is into everything. Yeah. And so I knew he'd be into it. And yeah. he's like, let's do it. And awesome. so I just got in touch with a friend. And I was like, hey, I was like, where's Laird getting his boards from? And he said, some guy named Ron House in, uh, in San Clemente. And I was just like, all right. So I... Got his number, just looked it up, found his number, called him, and uh, Ron shaped me and Tomas these 12 foot logs. Wow. Just these big old big boards. 27 wide, which was narrow. It was just a narrow, right. you know, but it was 12 foot. And so that's what he shaped us, and we had him sent down, and that was back in, I think, 2006. 2006, okay. I think that's whenever, because in 2008, yeah, I think it was 2006, because 2008 was the first uh, Puerto Escondido surf contest. And I had already gone to Hawaii a couple times and linked up with C4. Yep. And then C4 um, just made me an ambassador with them. Really? Okay. And so, so I got a bunch of C4 boards, brought them here, and got, you know, Tomas and all my bud Tito and all my buddies um, on the C4 line. And then I went to Puerto with a C4 board, and um, that was in 08, and that was a big contest. There was like all the top guys were there for that contest. All the, the it was a huge Hawaiian contingent, you know, Dwayne DeSoto, um, Nicolo Kalama, yeah, um, G Mac was there surfing yeah. in it, and uh, so we had a bunch of Hawaiians and and. Um, it was a good, it was a big field. It was like 20-something people. All was that like your first stand-up contest at yeah, that point? Yeah, Chuck was there. Yep. Chuck Patterson and his buddy Chandler. And uh, so that's when I first met Chuck. Oh, okay. That, that was going to be my question. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I met Chuck at the contest there, and that was in 08. How were, the, how were the waves for that contest? Phenomenal. Really? Yeah, we had great surf. Big waiting period? You guys wait for it, or did no, it happen? No, no, it just happened. There That's was a date, great. and we flew in, and the first days were bigger, and it kind of waned for the final. That was the year that, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Shimba, Shimba Kura, one of the one of the pros won it that year. Yeah. can't remember his name, but he's a longboarder. He's a pro longboarder. Oh, okay. Um, I can't wait. I, I don't think, think I'll name. Shimba, Shimba Kura, Shimba. Anyways, um, he won it that year, and uh, but that's where I met you know Chuck. I met the whole crew of Kolo Kalama. Kolo came down here. Really? Yeah, came down here and, and hung out here one time. Got to serve some good. After stuff. meeting him in yeah. Puerto, yeah, you were like, hey, you should come to Puerto Rico. Yeah, and he came. Him and his wife came. And, <clears throat> You're a likable guy. And, and, he, and he and he was playing. You know, we had him right here at the Calypso, like playing uh, ukulele. Really? He did a full yeah. He did a full stand up with the uke and. Oh, it was amazing. Guy's an amazing musician. Colo uh, is, and um, so yeah, just got you know got linked up with a bunch of those guys through that, and then I go to Hawaii and run into them, and um, Keali, Keali also, um, Keali Kalama, yeah, um, that whole crew, and so that was a good contest. Made so after two thousand eight, is that when Starbird basically said, "Hey, no, they then, you or what?" Then it was after. No, 
Starboard got me after 2012. I competed in the ISAs for Puerto Rico, which was in Peru. Ah. And I was talking to, uh, and at the time, I was with Stretch. Yeah. I've been with Stretch for a long time. Okay. Like, for the surfing and everything. And yep. I kind of got into it when we first started kiting. And then that's how I found out about them. And then I started getting surfboards, and then we started doing stand-up. And, um, and I was doing a lot of R&D and stuff for Stretch. And... Um, and then after the ISAs, Sean was like, man, he's like, why aren't you riding a starboard? I go, I don't know. Why? <laughs> and he's That's like, a good question, Sean. He's like, well, he goes, you know, get in touch with me and, and I'll, I'll get you dialed in with him. I'm like, all right. And he did. He sent a letter to Sven. Sven got back with me and he's like, you know, you sound like a great ambassador down in Puerto Rico. Let's get it going. And so I've basically been starboard ever since. That's great. Yeah. And they've definitely taken care of me. And they're great boards, as you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say you're kind of an ambassador to the whole island of Puerto Rico, too. Right? You're going to these contests, and you're inviting people back to Puerto Rico, and they're coming. And yeah, as much It's as good as for possible. the island, right? I think it's great for the island. Yeah. We just aren't... We're not... I mean, you know, you, you're going to have controversy always. With right, right, out. right, right. But what's good about here is the guys that I bring back here... You know yourself included yeah. you, you know you guys are learning about this island you're loving it and you're giving respect to all the locals right. and you know i see it you know i see you guys doing it there's there's guys that don't and they're the guys that are going to get run out of the lineup right and you know, it's just the bottom line but if you anywhere you go in the world right. you give respect right. and the locals are going to respect you back right you know if you don't or if you don't know some people just don't even know right and um yeah, so, there's running blind. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so once they learn, you know, they may they may get run out of the lineup here, and then they'll have to learn the hard way. Right. But you know, it's like anything. You just you just don't paddle out into any lineup and kind of try and take over the lineup. You you start down at the bottom, and you just work your way up. Exactly. You earn the respect. Exactly. Especially from the locals. Especially with stand up too, right? Stand up. You know, I mean, we've already no matter what the minute you walk down the beach with a paddle. You've already got a big X smacked right on your forehead, right? You know? right, right. So it's it's the way it is. And if you want to if you want to be a stand up paddler, you really need to learn respect. You really need to know, you know, how to manage a lineup and how to um, how to try and be able to surf and try and you know enjoy yourself without really being seen. You know, oh it's yeah, the best way to do it. Is or, or or find blend in, <laughs> blend in. Yes. yes. Take your turn. I get yeah. it. You know, you do a little watching. You do a little yeah. sizing up. Every size everybody up. And where you don't see anybody surfing, that's probably the best way to yeah, go to it. Yeah, yeah. Because you can catch anything on a stand up. Yeah. Board. No, that's true. There's a lot more access with a stand up. Yeah. Like you were talking about the Dominican, but we love this wave in the in Cabaret. Yeah, Cabaret Day. Yeah. In Cabaret Day, there's a there's a there's a wave way out there. It's like it takes 20 oh, minutes just to paddle out to. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot of surfers who are out there because no. no. The one straight off the beach there. Right. Yeah. What's the name of that wave? They call it the Reef. Yeah. But it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've stand I've stand up paddled it before. Oh yeah. yeah. No, we go we go out there every year. Yeah. It's, it's good. a blast. Yeah. So what happened when you started going out with a stand up paddleboard at Trace Palmas for the first few times? It was a yard sale. <laughs> it was definitely a yard sale. I was getting. I've never had. Well, first of all, I'm on a 12 foot. Oh, you still have that. I'm on a 12-foot, that, that board that we had weighed like 35 pounds. I mean, it was a beast yeah. of a board, yeah. single fin, yeah. and, and it just didn't have the speed. Um, you couldn't really pump it. All it was was point and shoot. Right. <laughs> and so how many times, I can't tell how many times Tomas and I would just come up so rattled. And then, and then it's like having a parachute attached to your leg, you know, like a submarine oh, yeah, just yeah, pulling yeah, you yeah, yeah. like Mach 10 with your hair on fire through the white water. I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was, yeah, we were, thank God, you know, we were young back then and, and we could take that beating a lot easier, but it was, uh, it was a, it was an experience that I'm glad I did it, you know, and it definitely humbles you a lot. Um, because I remember some of the first times we were out there on big days on a 12-foot board and not making that inside that west ball and just getting so hammered and, you know, 
coming up, spitting up water practically, seeing stars, and just stoked and just paddling right back out. <laughs> yeah. So then, how, then when did you start progressing to like something smaller? Um, the C4, I went to Hawaii. Yeah. So I went to Hawaii deliberately to, to meet with C4 and to get a more progressive board. And you're thinking about trace columnists, you're like, oh, yeah. I gotta figure out a board for that way. Yeah. 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 And that was, that was the, the mindset. And um, so, yeah, so I went to Hawaii. I spent six weeks in Hawaii and I hit every island and just um, had contacts, fortunately, in all the islands. And everybody was in the stand-up. It was, like, really taking off at the time. Was, I think it was 2007. And it was really taking off. And um, so I got to hook up with a lot of really, really good paddlers and learned a lot and ended up buying a 10 a 10 C4. And that's what I brought back. I brought back a handful of them. Wow, really? And, yeah. And then... Um, did you then, bring them back to sell them or like yeah well, I already had them. Stuff, yeah or, I had my friends yeah, already wanted yeah, them yeah. and so you know I call them I like look here's the best I paddled every board that's the best board right now it's a 10-0 and um, so yeah so came back with that and then it just you know just ramped up to a whole nother a whole nother level dropped two feet you know off yeah. of the surfboard yeah. and and also another probably 15 pounds because it was 35 pounds at 12 foot board that we had and dropped all the way down to like a 20 pound, 10 foot, you know, light, um, the mold, you know. It's a huge difference. Huge, huge difference. And it was just, it just, we evolved so fast whenever that happened. It just went from like, wow, you can actually surf this thing now, not just point and shoot. Right, right, yeah. right. Now you can make turns. And yeah, now you yeah. feel like you're you actually. Can, exactly. And you can pull in and get barreled and, you know, you could you could knife the rail and you know all that stuff, and so it was a game changer. And then um, Dave Parmeter was just coming out with just you know progressive shape after shape, and so we just kept dropping smaller and smaller, and you know getting into more you know high performance stand up boards. And um, and then Stretch decided he wanted to start making boards, and Stretch is such a progressive shaper in his own right. And so, and especially with big waves, and so, you know, we started working with Stretch, and, and, um, and he was coming up with some just amazing designs, like thinning the tail out, thinning the nose out, right, so you right, weren't having right. these blocky tails and nose, right. I mean, really thinning them out, so you right. could really, you know, get that, that extra kick out of the board and thrust out of the board, and he was putting some crazy rocker designs with low entry rocker in the nose and all kinds of just amazing stuff that stretch always you know works magic and um and it just took off and then i started seeing what starboard was doing and that's whenever i you know contacted sean and i was like hey you know can you link me up with starboard and he's like yeah so and it's just and they sort of do the same thing i think you know like oh, that shape like thinning the thing the yep. nose thinning the tail yep. Right, that sort of foil shape, and you look at the board sideways, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Put all that volume in the middle, yeah. and then just taper the tail and the nose. Yeah, which yeah. you don't need, you know, that's what you want. You want, and you want the rails to have, you know, taper the rails a little bit right. also, especially sharpen them up towards the tail so you can really, you know, get in hollow surf. And because that's all we have here, all our surf is hollow here, you know. So, what are you paddling now on a day at Trace? Um, now I paddle a 90. I got one of the 90. Um, it's not the pro model because I want the extra weight. Yeah. So I have the 90 um, AST model is what it's called. Yeah. And it's got that extra weight on it. Yeah. Because you know no matter what Trace has always has so much apparent wind even if there's yeah. no wind at all. Yeah. And. Um, and so you always want extra weight to trace, no matter what. You got to have that extra weight. And so I, I surf a 90 when it gets big, and then when it's you know like under under 15, 12 foot, something like that, then I'll surf um, I'll surf my 8.5 um, pocket rocket. Yeah, the pocket rocket. I love the pocket rocket. <laughs> I surf that thing and everything. Love yeah. that thing. Yeah, that, that's. That's what, that's one of my favorite boards. That, they just nailed it with the pocket rocket. Yeah. 
right? I, yeah, I like that shape. And for a big guy, you know, a 200-pound-plus 200 guy, the pocket rocket is just 8.5, you know, it's got 100 and 130 liters. Yeah, right, right, board, right. You right. Know, it floats. The short board for big, big yeah, riders. For big yeah. riders. And, yeah. and I love the rounded pen, and it's pulled in nice, and it's just, yeah, it's just got a great shape. So I love the pocket rocket. And then now I've got the Hypernut, the 7.8 Hypernut. And that that doesn't work as well in big surf. I've tried, I've surfed it out of trace before and it just, it's more of a, of a small wave, you know. I, I, I love it when it's head high to a little overhead. Yeah. Because you want that extra, that extra thrust, that extra, you know, pump out of it. And, um, and so that's what I ride the Hypernut in. But how about how about like carbon technology, like lightweight boards versus heavyweight boards? Like you were saying, you want more weight. Like I've gone out there on a carbon paddleboard, mm -hmm. and you're right. When the wind is blowing up the face on a bigger you can't wave, even get in it. Yeah, and even when you do get in it, do you it's notice so a big difference though when you're not using totally. carbon? Yeah, totally. I, I I use a heavier board out at Trace when it's when it's got some size because it's always got wind and bump and. So you want weight to like cut through the bomb, yeah. you know? The carbon just is all, it's like squirrely. It's all over the place. And, um, but on smaller waves, you know, anything from, from double overhead down, I love the carbon board because it's more of a high performance board. Okay. You know, you can whip it around and, and it's like, you feel like you're on a short board. But for Trace, when Trace is, uh, you know, double overhead plus, then, you know, you want that weight out there. Because it breaks so far out, you've always got wind, you've always got something going on out there. I won't need a board for that. Yeah. Uh, I'll be on the beach. No? <laughs> no. I'll get you out there. Double overhead plus, that's about my limit, yeah. Yeah, well, once you start doing it, then you start getting more comfortable in it. Yeah. And Trace is a comfortable way. Yeah. you got a big channel. Even yeah. If you get, even if you get hammered, it pushes you to the inside. And uh, it's so forgiving. Yeah. God bless it. I mean, yeah. it, it really is. It's for a big wave, it definitely, you know, I mean... You know, it's gonna it'll it'll definitely give you a beating, a good beating, but you're gonna get pushed into a channel. So that's what's nice about it. So yeah. Um, what do you think about some of these um, thoughts about trying to do a big wave stand up paddle contest at Trace? Um. Well, I've it's never, a tricky one, right? It's a very it's a very tricky. <laughs> yeah, one. I mean. It sounds like the I mean, Federation wants to do that. Yeah, the Fed, yeah, I mean, they've always, they've always, yeah, they want to do it. Um, I just, and I think it would be cool if the Federation did it. Yeah. I'm all, you know, I, I'm, I'm for the, I'm for Puerto Rico. You yeah, know? right, so Anything right. local, I like to keep. No, I know, think they would have, yeah. I like I'm to talking keep, about local paddlers. Yeah, yeah. I like to keep everything local. Um, I like to, you know, I like to, as much as I can, try and take care of the locals. Um, and so if the Federation did something like that, then, then yeah, I'd be all for it. Um, if it was somebody, you know, if it was somebody from the outside, I'm, I'm not as much for it. No. Just because. No. Just no, I'm because, thinking the Federation, like it's yeah. a Puerto Rico event. Yeah. Just because I have, I have, I mean, we always, you know, we always talk about it and I don't want to exploit Trace Palmas at all. Right. It's already exploited enough. And, um, and I'm sure people can say, Carson, you, you exploit it as much as you did, you know, anybody does, but with all your towing and paddling and everything else you do. But, you know, I just, I just like to, I like to have fun is the bottom line. I like to, every day, whatever, you know, is going to challenge me, I'll get on it and try it. I want to get on it and try it, whether I can or not, you know, I still want to, I love the challenge. I love feeling like a Grom. That's yeah. why I started the foil. Yeah. You know, because you're an absolute grom all over again. You yes. feel like a kook. You can't <laughs> even stand up. Yeah. You know? And so I love that. I love that challenge. And so Trace is a very challenging way. Um, so if the Federation did something, you know, I'm always I'm always, you know, behind those guys doing, you know, I always help as much as I can with the stand up um, stand up circuit. That, yeah. Xavier Lay and Ernie Alvarez has been in charge of. Um, you know, it always comes with controversy because everybody, not everybody likes stand-up powers. Right. So you're going to... Or contests. 
at their, at their favorite breaks. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and there's going to be, a, if, it, if they have a contest there, there's going to be a lot of controversy because there's a lot of locals that are not for it. And they're like, dude, why don't you have it at, you know, Maria's or something? Why do you got to have a trace? And I understand. But if they did have it um, and I got invited to surf it, I'm going to surf it. Yeah. Yeah. They should stay here. We should have a waiting period and we should basically have everyone stay here and do a yeah. big event or big retreat at yeah. Bellfly Maria. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it would definitely be cool. Definitely, it would be fun doing it right right out of here with the Federation. Um, but then again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to push it. Right, right, I, right. I don't right. care either way. It does, right, if it doesn't happen, or right. if it doesn't happen, then I'm just That's okay. Happy. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's you know... Because that's a swell that we're going to miss, right? Because yeah. they're, they're going to be out there. And yeah, of, I mean, you know, still everybody will still be surfing. You know, nobody's going to not not surf when Trace is breaking. Like, if I was not in the contest, I would still be surfing Trace. During you know the heats, I mean? yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can still catch waves. You know, I'd be surfing the left. Yeah. I love the left. Yeah. You know, not you're too many people do, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I love the left out there. The left is against the grain, and it's... I mean, I've got more barrel on the left than I have on the right, so I love the left out there. You got to pay for it. But oh yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, you know. Well, so, tougher to get back out. Yeah, yeah. That's you don't have that nice big channel working. Not at all. No, you no. don't. You're not coming out dry haired. No. no. <laughs> but it's exciting. And speaking yeah. of exciting, so tell me about the foil. I know you and I have been foiling out here a little bit. Yeah, the you you've been foiling way more than me. Doing awesome. It's addictive. You are, it? yeah, uh, yeah. You're looking, yeah. And we just had Chuck down here to foil with us, and yeah, which was really fun. Because, it, it is addictive. Yeah, but yeah, Chuck definitely. I mean, you know, Chuck is a is a professional athlete, is a yeah. phenomenal athlete, oh, yeah. and so it's nice being able to to kind of um, to kind of. Um, you know, like bang heads back and forth, you know, like you can be, okay, like how did that work? Oh, that worked good. Yeah, I like that. All right. And, you know, and hear feedback. You right. Know, it's nice getting a lot of feedback from Chuck and he's full of feedback. You know, he's an amped guy. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's, you know, it's a lot of... Talk about a guy who wants to have fun every day, period. Every day, nonstop. Yeah. And so that's fun because it's, it's, like, it's yeah. just like we are. <laughs> right. Yeah, so... It was cool. It was definitely really cool seeing um, seeing the progression that that we've been making and the foiling going from just a couple of months ago, not even being able to stand up on a wave, to you know actually you know cutting back. You guys are carving, like carving, yeah, yeah. changing direction, like yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. That's exciting. It's really exciting. Pumping everything. The pumping, learning the learning to pump the board, made that made it. Yeah, when you got the pump down on that foil, you can start generating your own speed and connecting the dots. You know, like like finding the energy in the in the in the wave. It just makes it. Once you get that down, that makes the foiling so much funner. And so finally, in the last month, I've been able to get the pumping down and figuring it all out. And yeah, it was amazing. And then and then at the point that I am to have Chuck come down and then, you know, be able to see, you know, where he's at and just, we just, you know, fueled each other. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys got some, had some good waves for it, yeah. some good conditions for it. Oh, right? yeah, we had great from conditions. Like, from trace. From, yeah, 12 foot trace yeah. down to yeah. whatever. Yeah, two high Two slats. foot dog mans. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You guys saw Surfing it our foil wave. Yeah, the, the foil wave. <laughs> yeah, yes, the foil wave. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen with foiling when it goes more mass market? What do you think is going to happen? Um, you know, honestly, I don't think it's going to go mass market. I really don't. I think I don't think it will here so much. It may in the states more. Right. Right. I just don't think it will here. This is just these waves. It's all reef and shallow reef and elkhorn coral and. Um, we don't have, you know, that perfect of a foil wave. We don't have a sand bottom. Right. You know? Right. And so I think it's not as user-friendly down here because of the, the entries and exits and all the reef. And, you know, I mean, you've got to be pretty on it yeah. to, to be able to foil here. You've got to be dedicated to kind of and deal with, you know, dedicated. getting the thing out past the reef and yeah. then getting back in safely. Exactly. Yeah. And so I don't really think foiling is going to take off real big here. Um, you know, we may have, it'll definitely, it'll definitely take off some because 
once you learn it, you know, it's just such a cool thing. It's just so stoked. You just, you know, you're pumped, you're addicted. Um, but as far as it really taking off, I don't think it's gonna. I think it's got, the learning curve is gonna frustrate a lot of people. I think yeah. people are gonna get foils. They're gonna be pumped because they're seeing other people doing it. Yeah. And they're gonna get out there and they're gonna start trying to do it. And they're gonna realize how, how painful it is. And on top of it, you know, you've got this giant guillotine hanging off the bottom of your board. So it's a little unnerving. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that may um, add definitely a little pucker factor into <laughs> it, which is what right. I enjoy that part. Right, right. Most won't, you know. And um, a little bit like kiting. I remember when kiting yeah. happened, like people bought kites and then they had a scare, yeah. you know, and then there was a nice used market for kites. And you'd yeah. be like, he used once. Yeah. I've only used this once. I'm putting it up for sale. Yeah. And then you try to figure out why they're getting rid of it. It's like, yeah. hey, is there something wrong with it? And they're like, no. I almost died. I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it will be that. I, and I think, and kiting blew up. I mean, look how big kiting is now. Oh, yeah. Kiting blew up. Um, yeah. People got over that. I just think with foiling, you know, you need to have surf. You need to have... Uh, an area that is deep water because you got a two foot uh, foil hanging off the bottom of your board. Um, I think in the States there's a lot more areas that's conducive for it. I think it'll, it may get kind of big. I just don't think it's going to really take off huge. Yeah, I hope not because I, I hope not I'm, I'm imagining like you're a trace columnist nah. and you see somebody out there all of a sudden on a foil who shouldn't, you know, who's like dangerous himself, dangerous yeah, other people. Exactly. And what, like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, so I just don't think it's gonna. And on top of it, um, well, I know in the future they'll definitely have foils that we'll, we'll be able to catch trace on. Right yeah. now, it, it's uh, it's just, it's small surf. Right. Um, the smaller the surf, the better. Right. You know, head high is perfect. Right. Chest to head high is the wave that you want, which is great because now, I'm looking at, you know, right now we're looking out of the window here at, at Via Playa Maria's and the surf actually looks great and it's yeah. only about waist high. Oh, yeah. And we're thinking, we should be out there foiling right I now. Know. Yeah. I know. I was out there, yeah. I was you out there for a couple of hours yeah, and it was were. pretty awesome. Yeah. But I'm so, trying to get in my practice. I got to catch up to you guys, which I won't be I, able to do, but I got to stay close. I think. I got to keep I, that gap as short as I can. Of course. Or as small as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Very short, very small. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Which is important. But we're coming into summer, so I'm going to have more access, you know, yeah, at least when yeah. I get back home, too. Yeah, you will. It'll be warmer and, yeah. I think downwinding would be awesome. I think so, too. I think the, the new um, Malika, Maliko, yeah. Maliko foil that they're saying that's got the, the larger aspect wing and everything, yeah. I think that is going to um, open up some, some doors. And it's more users, you know, because now you don't necessarily need surf or a yep. particular wave that's yep. really conducive to foiling. So I, I ordered, I ordered like four. I ordered four of the Malikos. I actually just got, you know, a text today that, that they're supposedly... They're clearing customs? No, they're not clearing customs. My other ones came in. Good. I got them. Good. I, I don't got them personally. They're still in San Juan. Um, okay. But... At least they're, but they're, on the they're in Ark's hands. Oh, they are? Yeah. He's got them. Yeah, he sent me a photo Excellent. of them. So they're, he's got them. They're good. They're safe. And uh, so now I just got to figure out how to get them out here. But um, the Malikos, I just got a text from uh, Andrew. From oh, good. Andrew, and he said that the Malikos are on order. He said they're, they're, they, they're ordered and they're going to get them. So we'll see how that works out. But I definitely am getting a handful of Malikos. Looking forward to trying the Malito. And going downwind. Doing downwind downwinders and, and, you know, just the... So what could you do? Could you go like Aguadilla back down to Sandy's or like something like that? Like that kind of a run or something shorter yeah. or Aguada? Yeah, I mean, start Would you out, run that side? Basically? Start out, yeah, start out in Aguada. Start out at, at, um, at Pico Piedra, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and try and do that run. Um, Come into Sandy's, that'd be amazing, yeah, wouldn't it? exactly. And so... We got to do that next time I come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you got to spend a little more time here too. Yeah, Is that possible. Yeah, I'm gonna be a resident one day. A week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one week a month. That's what I'm set up to do right now. Okay, well that's all right. That's not bad. It's a good start for me. It definitely is. I agree. Yeah, we're we're, we're working towards something a little bit bigger, maybe. Good. Yeah. Good. You know, as soon as my kids are out of college, we'll see. Yeah. You know, I know that that's a chunk. Yeah. Right on. 
Well, thanks, Carson. Thanks for yeah. taking the time to do this with me. I appreciate it. Definitely. Great job um, with you. Is there anything else you want to share with us? I think we're all good. I think awesome. we just need to keep getting stoked on foiling. Yeah. I'm addicted to it. Oh, it's so fun, isn't and it? It's so much fun. And I'm glad you saw me out there yesterday because I felt yeah. a little jealous, or I felt guilty, rather, that I didn't send you a note saying that I was heading out. But Yeah, no, no, no. I saw you out there. I just thought right, today I was, I was running mad. Yeah. So I couldn't get out there, but yeah, I'm 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 all right with it because I know that next week is going to be going off. Yes. So we're going to surf pretty much all next week, and um, so I'm all right with it all. And you got your foils on the island. And I got the foils on the island. I got to get yours back too. There's going to be a lot of happy foilers. Are you keeping your foil down here? No, I got to bring it with me. Back? Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And I'll bring the other one over. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll leave it with Amy. We'll figure that out. Yeah. No worries. All right. Thank you, buddy. You bet. And rubberneckers, I'm so bummed that we missed you guys last night. I know it. It was on fire. I can't wait to see. I heard. Well, we went to Copiana last night. Okay. And I asked how I had the rubbernecker gig go. Yeah. And people said it was crazy. 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 Right? Because the rain had you guys pinned in and just like the oh, covered area. In. It was, it was awesome. packed. Yeah. I got, like people were falling into my, my mic stand and oh, they're just dancing. Awesome. Just crazy country dancing and... I wish you guys would have been there doing your line dance because I know you practice all day that line dance. It seemed like a waste that we practice all that time. I know, and you right? couldn't even make it. I know, but it was yeah. the kind of thing that I mean, it's like riding a bike. You know, next time. Yeah, you'll be riding. Next time on. I'm here. Let's blame Chuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is. I wouldn't really think of him as sort of like injury. Somebody who's like prone. prone to getting injured a lot. Yeah. But, you know, he survived two weeks in Puerto Rico, surfing big waves, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And the last day. And he tripped over night. a rock walking down the beach. Yeah. And um, Took a chunk out of his foot, didn't it? He did. Yeah. He did. And he, he, that poor guy, watching him just get stabbed with that needle, you know, because lidocaine, they were trying to numb that area. Mm-hmm. And um, Anthony, who came over here to actually do that, Anthony's a great, great guy who helps us out like this concierge doctor service is great we called him he's like i'm 20 minutes away i'll be there and he came in here and took care of chuck and i gotta get his number chuck was super happy when he left here he's like i know it's clean yeah i know there's very little chance of infection yeah and uh he was okay to get on that plane and head home and i then, saw the photo okay yeah, i like the crushed medallion can laying oh, back. his liquid it didn't take long. anesthesia as soon as that needle went into that little tender spot <laughs> crush it that no. can just got crushed yeah i loved it it was like the smoking gun in the photo you know the, the worst part was anthony just kept opening up more needles oh you know, really he was touching yeah. touching that area of his foot and still seeing like a little grimace on his face he's like Hey, we we gotta we gotta keep yeah, going. Another one. Chuck's like, really? We're going in again? <laughs> and then we just it. oh, it was hard to watch, but we just watch him like grip the chair and just go. Yeah. And then as soon as Neil came out, he would start laughing. Yeah. And he's like, that was radical. <laughs> like, who does that? Gotta who gets love stabbed, it. You know? Yeah. Adrenaline junkies do that. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I want to get stabbed in a really tender area of my foot oh. with a needle. It was a bad area too. He's gonna be gimping for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going to yeah, he's going to South Africa, May one, really? with the Nash crew. Oh wow. With Robbie, Robbie's doing a Red Bull, or Red Bull's doing a documentary on Robbie Nash, and so yeah. they're going to South Africa on May one, and then they're gonna do a bunch of filming there, yeah. and then they're going to Peru. So they got two weeks between South Africa and Peru riding huge laps. Wow. That's All right, buddy. Trail. I'm going to let you go. Yeah. Thank you, Carson. Oh, that was super fun. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Look forward to next time. Can't wait, man. Yeah. It'll be soon. Yeah. Let's Thanks, get that buddy. foil. Let's get rocking, right? Yeah, let's get, Yeah, and get Roxanne out there, too. Yeah. Unless the Chupacabra's around. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the Chupacabra's yeah. get you. No. Cool. Right on. All right.